Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. My name is Charlotte. I am a musician, solo artist and composer. The Music Room for me is a place of support and acceptance. My two big sisters went to a private school and I was expected to follow suit but I failed the entrance exam twice. At the time, this felt like a crushing failure, but I'm so grateful as I went to the local comprehensive and it had the most fantastic Saturday morning music club. And that's where I started to play drums and the guitar. In many ways, I felt like a bit of a loser, but being a part of this club made me feel like I belonged somewhere. And most importantly, that I was good at something. So let's go back there and spend some time in gratitude for all the people who've helped us get started. Welcome to The Music Room. This week in The Music Room... That score to me is one of the best scores I've ever heard. It sounds new, but it also sounds old at the same time. And I think it's genius. And that's why I felt so passionately that I had to reach out and tell him how I, what I thought of his music and how I connected with it. Hello, Music Rumors. How are you? I'm thrilled to be guest hosting this episode Thanks to Gareth for asking me to do it. I've been picking his brains over how to produce and put together a podcast for ages. So he's thrown me in at the deep end here. But it's been great fun putting it together. And I found my chat with this week's guests super inspiring. And I hope you do too. I became part of the Music Room Facebook group early this year. And it's been great fun dropping in for a chat every now and then with a cup of coffee in my pyjamas. You're all bloody clever and lovely bunch of creatives. So first things first, uh, happy new year to one and all. I hope you had a great time. And if you didn't, don't worry, it's over now. My new year's resolution, well, I've got a few, but mainly I'm going to try to cut down on my screen time, maybe read a book, I don't know, buy less plugins, make more samples. That kind of sums it up. Uh, What about you guys? If you've got any New Year's resolutions, come and tell us in the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. The Music Room podcast explores the formative years of professional composers, songwriters and musicians. Guests are invited to leave an item and a piece of advice for others to find. My guest on this episode is a BAFTA-nominated composer who's just won a Royal Television Society Award for Best Original Title Music for her score for the TV series The Rising. She talks about her French-Canadian grandfather's advice that perseverance is the key to success. If you listen to the very end and you've enjoyed yourself, you can listen to other episodes of The Music Room and share the podcast with friends. So let's have a music story. Composer and Music Room guest Ian Arbour has had some good news recently. The third season of TV show War of the Worlds, which Ian scored with his composer partner, Dave Roundtree, was just called one of 2022's best TV shows by the New York Times. The paper said, 
Howard Overman's adaptation of the Alien Invasion classic by H.G. Wells struck a more unnerving than usual balance between physical dread and the contentious, melancholy grind of survival. The French-British production was gripping genre entertainment in which the science fiction elements were at the service of the emotional arcs. In the UK, you can catch all three seasons of War of the Worlds on Disney+. And there is a link to Ian's Music Room episode in the show notes. So let's introduce our wonderful guest, Carly Parody. Carly is a Canadian-born, BAFTA-nominated film and TV composer, songwriter and pianist, whose credits include sole composer of the UK's most-watched drama of the 21st century, Line of Duty, and the Netflix original supernatural drama, The Innocents, in 2018, for which she won a Hollywood Music and Media Award for Best Song. She wrote the original score for Jed Mercurio's feature-length BBC adaptation of Lady Chatterley's Lover, and her music has been used in trailers for True Detective, Homeland, Martin Scorsese's Hugo, and more. She has also toured live worldwide with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and Clint Mansell, and she played piano on Mansell's soundtrack to the BAFTA-winning film Moon. As if this wasn't enough, Carly also releases her own music, most recently the album Nothing Is Something, which was released in 2019. Carly is an old friend of mine, and it was such a pleasure to catch up with her when she returned to London after a very fancy world tour. So here we are in Carly's lovely studio in Hackneywick. Hi Carly, how are you? I am jet lagged. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am not jet lagged, but I do have a two and a half year old, oh, which I feel it's worse. is a permanent state of confusion. But you do have the air of a confused lady who's just come off tour. Thank you. <laughs> In the best possible sense, but uh, yeah, I know that post-touring feeling well. well. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm here to pep you up Yay. with brownies and coffee, and we're going to have just a nice chilled-out chat. Cool. Yeah, well, welcome to my studio. So you just came off tour with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yes. How how the hell did that happen? You know what? It was, I guess, similar to the moment a meeting Clint Mansell where you kind of have, and actually I heard this percentage today listening to a podcast, um, 70% being prepared, you know, and having your, your craft and your skills, but then 30% of luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with, um, yeah, with the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, I, I was invited, um, by a friend who we would go out and do these really cool kind of women in entertainment and music dinners once in a while. Um, and Sharin invited me to a, a music awards thing in London. Yeah. And then I sat beside, um, this awesome manager, uh, Rick, um, and Rick worked at the same, or Rick works at the same a management company as, um, Nick's manager and all that. So yeah, it was just, a kind of like, I guess a little domino effect. Um, yeah. the next day, you know, we, we had great chats all night and the next day he he said they were looking for a keyboard player and would I hand my um resume in and I was just like of course I will but I you know I'm a my day-to-day -day is film and tv composer 
Although, you know, in my 20s, I was in an indie band scene and then you know, touring with Clint Mansell on yeah. and off for over a decade, um, doing theater, um, you know, and a film score, his film score music live. So I, I just, I didn't, I thought like it would be a definite no. <laughs> but like shockingly, I, I um, they said they'd like to meet me and I did a, a Zoom with Nick and Warren. They were doing a film score in LA. Wow. And we just had a great chat, you know, 45 minute chat. And uh, and yeah, and in the, in the next day, um, I got an email from the management saying, uh, would you like, would you like to play keys on a, on a world tour? Um, and I was like, yes, because yeah, they're, they're amazing. And I love, I love that they do, they do film and TV music as well as, yeah. um, as you know, albums and, and songwriting, but then even beyond that, you know, they write books and they do documentaries. And so I just, I love that whole vibe. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it happened. It's really. pretty incredible. And I also know from talking to you, like being a studio, like living in the studio, not seeing daylight and being cooped up, working on these insane like TV, like deadlines to go on tour and just throw that all to the wind and you be free and out into the world. It must've been really like the polar opposite experience of like being cooped up in the studio. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like you're traveling. Yeah. You're with a lot of people, you know, amazing crew and the musicians and the management. And it's like, you're a big family. Yeah. There is something so liberating about being on tour and how amazing to have the best of both worlds to, to have that like studio experience and then just sort of go out there in the world, especially after the pandemic. It must've been really incredible. Yeah. The, yeah, it was complete opposite and being, yeah, being with so many people traveling to so many different places mm. and the, when you're in the studio, you've got unlimited edits and you can make a lot of mistakes and, you know, explore in the moment here. Um, and there obviously it, the, performance is happening in real time yeah yeah um, and what a performance it is yeah and it's also that audience feedback yeah. which you don't get as a film and tv composer mm. um because it goes out on tv to people's homes or wherever um so you don't get that immediate feedback and so that that's i do love that aspect of music that that performance side because there's yeah. an, an instant connection with humans it's nice to have a little foot in that and then also the studio but yeah. but yeah they, they're very very different um did did you get to nerd out with nick and warren yes I, yeah totally yeah you know i pick in their brains and yeah we had some great conversations about um music of all sorts and yeah like you know learning different processes and um yeah they're fantastic just loveliest people you know yeah and talented you have been like non-stop working like your credits have been truly inspiring and I've just been watching The Rising which I love oh thank you yeah it just feels like you've been like from bouncing from one project to another so so now that you're back from tour have you got something happening now or are you like I need a break yeah I I it's been a really busy year especially this last year mm -hmm. so I yeah I've sort of intentionally carved out a bit of downtime room for me to um 
obviously go see family and and friends and all that stuff. But also, I think I'm going to just kind of retreat a bit, do a little bit of writing for myself. Um, mm. And and then, yeah, just uh, kind of ease back in <laughs> yeah. to the studio world because, yeah, they are they are com- complete opposites. Um, yeah. And do you have like projects lined up? Well, I've got, um, I've got a fantastic film, um, Carol, director, Carol Morley. Oh yeah. Um, it's called typist artist, pirate King, and it's starring Kelly McDonald and Gina McKee and Mon- Monica Dolan. And that is premiering this month. Uh, so wow. I will be going to the world premiere with them and it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. So this is where you're at. You've just come off tour. You're jet lagged. But we're going to take this little half an hour to reflect on Carly's roots. Harp glissander through time. (laughs) (laughs) So what I would love to know is where does all this incredible creative energy come from? What's your earliest memories of, of music? I think um, my my grandparents they had one of those at home organs, and it had like the light up keys, oh, cool. and they would say you know like A B C D E F G, and it had some really cool drum machines in it, um, and really cool bass pedals, and that was kind of my first feeling of a keyboard and the sounds that it could make. Um, and I've got you know a photo of of you know me sitting there, I guess like you know, three years old or whatever. And that, and then from there, um, my parents had a really great record collection of vinyl and we had a vinyl, um, a record player. And I remember like hearing, um, Elton John's yellow brick road album as, as a really young kid. And that big nine, minute long track love lies bleeding funeral for a friend mm. that that really blew my mind as a kid because it was just this expression of sound that was so free that it could jump through genres of music and also just be extremely epic and for me i think that really hit me deep and i've always had this kind of love and this kind of drawn to Epic music and also thematic music, like memorable uh, music and and that. So that's I think those kind of elements started shaping this love yeah. for music. Um, where, then, where is the organ now? Oh well, sadly, my my grandma, not sadly, but they had to get rid of it at one stage. And then my grandma, no. she's uh, she's now like ninety eight years old. Wow, amazing! Yeah. When did you start? actually playing an instrument um yeah after the playing the organ at my grandparents place my my dad he's french canadian and i know on his side of the family there's a lot of artists and actually i think an organ player as well but they're a lot way way older than me and one day I, they brought home a keyboard to the house and i think it was someone from that side of the family they loaned it for like a week yeah. So I had access to this keyboard sitting on the dining table and I would literally play on it and by ear off the radio start playing 
melodies. And I remember playing, you remember that track, Pop Goes the World? Do, 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 do. It was a big hit in Canada. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so, and I think from that point, my parents saw the um, that I loved it and what yeah. I was doing. And so they then put me into piano lessons. And I remember getting my first piano. It was this like, you know, secondhand piano that was almost 100 years old. And to me, it was like the ultimate, you know, and I'm sure they got it off of an ad in the local newspaper. Um, but it, for me, it was this orchestra at my fingertips where I could like just go into, you know, just go into my head and into my emotions and be able to kind of express things I don't know how to say or whatever and sit there for like, you know, an hour improvising. And, mm. and then I started writing little piano pieces at nine, little little yeah. ditties. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I, I was put through the the Catholic school system and, and I, I was in the choir at a young age as well. And I, I did love the harmonies that, yeah. you know, and I think that I'm realizing that has been playing a role in my music because I, I do tend to lean into voice and choir and harmony quite a bit. At school, did you have friends who were into the same kind of pop music you were into? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was, you know, nine, ten years old, it was like New Kids on the Block. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and then going into high school, a band that really opened my eyes, and I kind of call them my Beatles, is Nine Inch Nails. Yes. You know, it was like at one of the proms. I was 15 or 16, and the video dance prom party or whatever, they had Closer, Nine Inch Nails, oh. Closer, Come On. And I literally stopped in my tracks, and I was like, what is this? And yeah. I feel like a new person because yeah, it was just, yeah, it really hit me hard. Um, I can imagine. Is Trent Reza someone as a composer who you look up to now as well, you're inspired by? Um, I mean, I love all the the stuff that him and Atticus are doing. And I think, yeah, and the projects are, are, are amazing. And I, yeah, it's great to see the evolution. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, for me, it was those earlier records that really inspired me to yeah. take on the path of producing and and writing and and scoring um and kind of pushed me into um after university um i i went into an indie band in canada yeah. and that was a great time to you know just do it try it out like get the experience produce songwrite perform yeah. um network like you know that so that kind of i think helped to push me to go that route and i do feel like i'm always i always feel the need that to have one foot in the film and tv scoring or scoring to media or video games or whatever and then another foot still in that kind of pop kind of world or songwriting mm. world yeah um because i i have a, lo a great love for both and that's kind of what you know Trent has has done too is kind of yeah. crossed, which I, which is amazing. I think like song is uh, telling a story in I guess a shorter amount of time, and then mm. with a movie or TV and telling it in a longer way with music. Yeah. But did you see yourself? I know you said you were in like a band. What so what kind of band was that? So that was it was just uh, two people, right? Um, you know, a sing singer, and then I would do keys and then we produce and songwrite um 
And then for me, it was a really great way, yeah, to learn kind of the foundation yeah. of creating music. And and also I would go to like a bunch of film and TV conferences and I'd just bring a stack of CDs and I'd go and just go to all the talks, learn a ton, and then meet yeah. a lot of the speakers and just, you know, get the music out there. And I'm still friends to these to this day with a lot of wonderful people I met there. And I think that's a big part of what we do is the people. Mm. And that's how things actually happen is, you know, we it's important to develop and grow relationships um, with people in the industry, whether it be music supervisors, editors, directors, like other musicians, um, you know, community, and also for collaboration possibilities. Yeah. And you kind of find and attract the same people, the same vibe, yeah. I think, of what your voice and sound is. And you kind of eventually find each other in wonky ways, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes it, you know, and I think that it's just, it is so important that to kind of get out there. Did you ever think that you would be a solo artist? Um, I like, I knew in my guts from an early age that I, I was very drawn to instrumental music, uh, and that like I needed to pursue that. And I, I knew at some stage, like, um, actually my mom's cousin, he worked, at a record label in Toronto, um, but he was doing more of, I think it was called comp trolling. I, I don't know if it was, to be honest, I have, I'm not even sure what it was, but I know he was mentioned in Shania Twain's uh, book. Okay. <laughs> um, but he was amazing because when I was, I think I was only 18 or 19 and he took me to my first conference of music and it was in Toronto and he he showed me like okay so now you go up and you know kind of handheld saying oh. like how you know give them your card card after and you know talk and that I was so nervous and so shy and I and it's taken a you know a long ways to develop that kind of muscle to be able um to like, yeah, develop these great musical relationships uh, yeah. with people. I think that it takes practice. That's amazing that you did that so young. What great advice because it's taken me years and years to do that. And even now I'm so reluctant to do that. But so take me back. So you went to university? Yeah. And what did you study? So I did music and fine art and then I swapped second years to second year to music and multimedia okay tech yeah um that's where i really got to delve into digital studio composition there okay. and sound design and um composition really uh, and then after that was finished i did yeah a few little projects and i think my fourth year thesis is i did an interactive pop song so i wrote a song and then as the song played, you could obviously pause and stop it, but certain bubbles would pop up to explain and tell you what is happening in the song. Like, this is called a bridge and da-da-da-da-da-da. But at that time, that was like <laughs> so new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then from there, this is a little curveball, but in hindsight, it was a good choice. I fought my parents for about this. They really wanted me to get my teaching degree 
And I knew in my heart I didn't want to be a teacher, um, but I went to teacher's college after university for a year in Ottawa. Right. And uh, because I was just kind of like, think, starting to get into that kind of indie band world. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go and take, you know, nine months out of my entire life and not be able to focus on music. So I put up a big fight, but I, I, like, I get it. They, you know, they wanted me to have a backup plan and, and in the end it did work out because after teacher's college, I was a substitute teacher for like six years while pursuing music in a band. And it gave me the freedom and the finances, um, to have a job that's flexible and, you know, okay paid that I could actually pay for instruments or recording sessions, um to make records and also you know if i needed to go to a music conference i could book the time off and go yeah so that's very astute (laughs) (laughs) i know i mean education plays a big role i think in my life because i i was also during university my part-time job was teaching cartooning and art to kids as well um yeah, because I just I've I've I was gonna be an illustrator, right? But I yeah I knew that music was more deep, yeah, deep deeper passion for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I pursued that. What where was the moment where you realized you could stop the the teaching the backup plan? Oh, okay. So that that transition kind of happened in my late twenties, I guess twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. I started feeling a shifting of gears and that's when I kind of reached out to Clint Mansell um and on MySpace <laughs> and and that's when him and I connected and I went to Los Angeles for the first time when I was 26 uh and we had a coffee and I just yeah I just kind of felt that I needed to go down this path what, what was it that Clint had done that made you need to contact him um it was um requiem for a dream yes that score to me is one of the best scores i've ever heard it sounds new but it also sounds old at the same time and i think it's genius and that's why i felt so passionately that i had to reach out and tell him how i what i thought of his music and how i connected with it and i tell you know a lot of people starting out to never be afraid to ask yeah it's important you Um, never know no you never know and then, yeah, we just we became friends. And six months later, he needed a piano player yeah. uh, for the Ghent Film Festival. And that's where it kind of evolved. And then he got that band to play on Moon. Uh, and then we, yeah, we would, we would tour, you know, on and off, which was like so much fun and, yeah. and incredible to see in real time the instruments playing and the parts that they're playing of the scores that I've heard. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot about techniques and in composition from that point of view. That's really interesting. And did do you get to shadow him in the studio? Did you get well, to see him working like in the writing process? Uh, well, I would uh, do a bit of assisting with him on a couple projects uh, and, and he would get me to do some piano arranging. So I got to definitely see bits and go to the recording sessions mm. of stuff. So that was, that was super helpful. Um, and and then, you know, eventually more remote. But I'm really grateful to him because, um, yeah, he he's, you know, I, I look at life as in 
not only chapters, but kind of like TV series as well. And he's kind of, that was like kind of my, yeah, 20, you know, 28 up to my late thirties kind of chapter. And that kind of is my line of duty years. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the theme we all know and love, Carly. (laughs) So if you were going to talk about mentors, would you say that Clint was like a, a big part of your life in terms of like he he kind of mentored you yeah definitely and he he was the reason that I like totally shifted into um film and tv and scoring to visuals um that was the door for me that helped me to make that move in what way in the way that he he said you're good and you should do this well I think I was just I was becoming a part of something I loved and and you know, sharing the experience of of scorer music, um, and so I was bringing the kind of performance, uh, and you know, the touring, the and then then eventually kind of these arrangement and learning that world more and being immersed in that world, and that yeah, definitely gave me more courage to you know continue and also reach out to people and reach out to other collaborators and start to get my first projects, short films, documentaries. Um, and then that evolved into TV and film. Because you've always been good at bringing people together. <laughs> I mean, over the years, your brunches, Carly's breakfasts and brunches, have become uh, famous for <laughs> gathering uh, women from all areas of of composing um, together and making introductions. Like you're just very, very good at it, and it's it's so nice to have that that energy um, of sharing. I suppose sharing contacts, sharing information, and not because I know I I know that it's a very competitive industry. So I would imagine some instincts are like. Well, no, I want to keep this information or these contacts to myself. But your approach is very much the opposite. And and in, in my experience, these organizations are all about how can we help each other? It's all about the collective and not so much about the the individual. And, you know, together we raise each other up, and I, which I think is really like a really important um, focus because you know those things are there to help aren't they and a lot of women I, I think aren't aware that they exist yeah yeah and I mean I was being a bit selfish actually because I was kind of new to London and I wanted to meet <laughs> new friends too but to, that was actually when I f- really felt like I was finding my tribe and it took a mm. long time to get there you know to my late 20s and or, yeah it, it, you know touring with Clint and meeting the incredible musicians in that group um and then um also you know in london yeah doing these brunches or dinners and it's like a place where you can vent it's a place that you might collaborate with somebody or just have a laugh and i think that sense of community because because what we do you know it's so isolating um working in a studio by ourself like I, i say during the pandemic composers had a superpower because we are so used to being isolated anyway um that you know, I, I think it's important. Like, even if you meet a new friend and then you've got someone to talk to, 
during the journey because you know yeah. it is one of the most toughest industries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just really open, and I, I believe that everybody has their own voice and they have their own strengths, and there's room for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I guess I'm a little bit of a connector. I don't know. Ah, you are very intuitive. I think you know, like oh, you should meet this person, and I think you know how to sort of connect the right person to the right person. Um, you'd be great at um, setting up dates. You, that is so funny. Do, a good matchmaker. Do you think I should I should make a match? I literally was thinking this the other day. <laughs> I'm that, that could be a whole thing for you. I might have to, yeah. Yeah, think about it. Watch the space. So I'm going to invite you to leave an item and a piece of advice in the music room. Something that might have helped you in your formative years. Uh, So my grandfather, a French Canadian from Quebec, he would always say in his wonderful accent, um, that perseverance is the key to success. En français, but my French is not great. <laughs> um, so it won't bore you. But that really stuck with me. And I and I think if there is something that you love to do, you have a deep passion for, um, and you just kind of have to do it, even without pay, you, you know, that you should pursue it. And, you know, it brings joy to life. And, you know, never do anything that, you're looking for an award or you're looking for a big paycheck. You know, I think follow your passion, follow your dreams and all that um, and keep at it. Um, but, you know, don't do it for kind of money because I think you'll just be miserable. Um, you know, it's something that you do every day. And yeah, you know, be be open, be kind, um, focus on your skills and craft and develop those and find your voice and that, you know, that takes time. So don't expect it to happen overnight. This is like a lifelong journey to me. And, you know, I, I, the word retirement, it doesn't enter my, my mouth because I, I don't think I could ever stop creating music. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, keep at it and don't be afraid to ask or reach out to people. Sometimes they write back and it's incredible. Like with Clint Mansell, um, sometimes they're too busy at that moment and they can't get back to you. And then sometimes it just doesn't, it's not a match at mm-hmm. that time. It could be a match 10 years from now. You never know. Yeah, You never know what's around the corner. So I think, um, yeah, don't feel down if you don't get a response, but you will hit some response and those little doors will open. Um, perseverance. Yeah, perseverance est le craft de success. <laughs> <laughs> I think. It's got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> 